0: Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, the way to become a confident yoga teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes are transformational, not just transactions, who understands anatomy and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. Here on the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal growth because having a strong, healthy mindset is such an important piece of being a confident teacher. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. And I've got two more ways you can build your confidence and skill. Join me weekly for my mini masterclass and teaching clinic, a 30 minute teacher only themed yoga class, followed by a teaching lesson. Just DM me the words masterclass invite. And I'm also excited to tell you about my new invitation-only group called the Empowerment Club, an exclusive community for yoga teachers who want to feel confident and make a bigger impact. Membership is free and includes weekly workshops, private audio lessons, private Facebook group, and special offers on programs. DM me the words Empowerment Club for your application. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host Karen Fabian and this is episode 274. I am recording this on December 20th, 2023 and you will be hearing this on December 25th, which is Christmas Day on or sometime thereafter. So, I'm getting in one um last recording for the year, although let's see, I will record next week, which will go live on the first. So this is the last episode of 2023. We're at episode 274, over 100,000 downloads on the podcast, and super excited to be here again with you. This episode is super special because I have a guest. I haven't had a guest on the show in a while, and this one is so special. You're going to get you're mind blown. You're going to get so many nuggets of wisdom, both for your yoga teaching, for your mindset, for business growth, for moving in new directions as a yoga teacher in a really powerful and authentic way. So I'm just so excited for you to hear this one. I want to introduce you to the guest that I have on the show. I'm going to just give you a brief introduction to her. And then of course, we're going to go right into the episode and you're going to be able to hear right from her. Brett Larkin is my guest on the show today. Brett is the founder of Uplifted Yoga and the author of Yoga Life, Habits, Poses, and Breathwork to Channel Joy Amidst the Chaos. Her online yoga teacher trainings have set the standard for quality online certification since 2015, and she has matriculated thousands of yoga teachers through through her programs. Her award-winning YouTube channel with over half a million subscribers and her Uplifted Yoga podcast empower you to actively design your life using yoga's ancient wisdom. Yoga enthusiasts love her courses on Kundalini Yoga, prenatal yoga, and Uplifted Yoga Academy. You can learn more about her and her programs at brettlarkin.com, and she'll go into a lot more on this episode about the value you get from working with her, from working inside her programs. You're going to learn so much more about this. I was fascinated by taking a deep dive into how she created her business and so many other aspects of who she is as a person and how she inspires people. So- I'm not going to go on much longer. I do just want to remind you of one thing which you heard about in the intro, which is this new free membership group I've created called the empowerment club and i just want to quickly tell you the best way to get your application to join this free membership is to send me a dm on instagram empowerment club this is an exclusive group for yoga teachers designed to help you feel more confident and empowered with exclusive content videos audio trainings weekly master classes and so much more. So don't forget, send me that DM. Let's get you in the Empowerment Club and feeling more confident and empowered. So with that, we're going to hop over to my conversation with Brett Larkin. Here we go. So Brett, I'm so glad that you have joined me here today. I'm super excited to kick this off with maybe just a little bit about who you are and what you're doing right now. And then I'd love to dive into a little bit about How you help yoga teachers build their businesses and really stand out in their communities.
1: Well, Karen, thank you so much for having me. First of all, I'm really excited to be here. I always like to kick off sharing that I am someone who never thought I could make a full time living teaching yoga. I had very self limiting beliefs. I thought committing to life as a yoga teacher meant I would be poor. And this really blocked me for years. I mean, looking back, it's sad because I feel like I wasted almost many, many years when I could have been building my business and working on my personal brand and things would have been much easier back then. And so I had all the blocks. I had the scarcity blocks, the money blocks. And after I did yoga teacher training... I didn't feel confident enough to teach. I was sort of in denial when I went through the yoga teacher training process. I was like, oh, I'm just doing that for me. You know, it's for my own. And, you know, meanwhile, there's this like pulsation inside me that's yearning, you know, to be in the front of the class and teach. But it took me a long time to listen to that inner voice. And ultimately, I was too afraid to go pitch myself to teach at a studio. And I had a full time job. So one small action I took is I filmed a little video of myself one weekend. I borrowed the camcorder from my job at the time, and I filmed a little video on my friend's rooftop. And I know this might sound weird to people listening because they'd be like, isn't filming a video scarier than going to a studio? But for me, it felt less scary because I studied filmmaking at NYU. I had been a dancer my whole life. I was used to filming myself for dance auditions. Um, And I wasn't expecting anyone to ever watch the video. I was like, let me just practice teaching. And I had designed a sequence that I really wanted to remember. So it was really just for me to remember this sequence and talk out loud. I don't really remember putting the video on YouTube or how it got on YouTube. I think I was just like, oh, this is a free platform. So I'll just put it up here. And so, of course, I was really shocked when people started watching it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, people are doing this sequence with me. And this was back in 2012. So I thought I was late to YouTube in 2012, but it turns out I was still very early. And that kicked off what is now my YouTube channel. It now has half a million subscribers. It has been an incredible journey you know, from there till now. I slowly grew the channel. I started figuring out, oh, I should ask people to subscribe at the the beginning of the video. Oh, I should upload consistently. Oh, I should ask people what topics they want and maybe even do research about what topics are trending. So I'll pause there because the YouTube channel wasn't a business, just to be clear. Like this was just a way that I was comfortable expressing and kind of started to grow an audience. And of course, once I hit 10,000, subscribers on YouTube, I felt confident enough to go to studios locally. And then I was teaching at all the places in person as well. Uh, but I was still working a corporate job at the same time.
0: Got it. Um, You know, that's interesting that you say that because I think for a lot of yoga teachers, they have that parallel path going. They're working a full-time job and maybe they're doing a little on the side and maybe it is in the virtual world or I think for a lot of the teachers that I talk to, it is in person, Um, but they really want to do something more and they have that thought of making the shift, like what would be possible or how could I do it? So tell me a little more about how you then kind of moved forward to leveraging maybe that YouTube channel into something that was bigger.
1: Yes. So I had that dream. I kept thinking, oh, if I could just make money doing these YouTube videos, that would be so amazing. And I was making a tiny bit of money from AdSense on YouTube, but just to be clear, you would need a very, very large channel to really have that be a full-time income. Uh, So I had the desire. I wasn't sure. I didn't think it would ever be possible, but I was I was thinking about it, and something really lucky and pivotal happened. I got invited to this YouTube Creator Day. At the time, I was living in San Francisco, so YouTube headquarters was very close by in San Bruno, so I was able to just drive. And this was an event that YouTube put on for creators who had big YouTube channels. So I went, and I was so excited. I thought, you know, here am I with my, I think I had 30,000 subscribers at the time turns out I was one of the smallest channels that got invited to this event. I don't even know how I made it on the invite list, to be honest. Everyone at this event had 100,000 subscribers, 80, 300,000, 200,000. But what was interesting is that there were hundreds of these people in all, all sorts of different niches, from woodworking to makeup. I mean, obviously there was gaming, but there was everything you could imagine. I mean, cooking, breastfeeding, like all these different niches. And a lot of these people were making a full-time living off of YouTube. It was at this event that I had the conversation that essentially changed my life. I was talking to Jared Polin, who now I'm sure he has over a million subscribers. At the time he had 300,000, I believe. And his YouTube channel was focused focused on how to teach people how to use DSLR cameras. So he was very much like a tutorial kind of like mm. gear instructional for photographers or videographers who were trying to take better pictures and film better content. And he and I ended up chatting at this event. And he pulls out of his backpack this DVD. I love how I'm dating myself because this is like how long ago this? Was. <laughs> because we were still buying DVDs back then. I actually in 2012 made or whatever it was. Yeah. I
0: made a DVD that I sold, so I can think. Me back. too. They're yeah. still on
1: Amazon if anyone wants to find them. Um. So he shows me this DVD, and it was like a really beautiful, like double cased DVD. And I could tell he spent a lot of money on it. It looked really professional. And the DVD was called, you know, how to use a DSLR camera. And he said, you know, you really need to sell something off of your YouTube channel. Your YouTube channel is just the top of the funnel or the tip of the iceberg. You need to monetize your audience, monetize your community. And I said, wow, this DVD looks really cool. Why would someone buy this though? Because they can just get all your tips on your YouTube channel. And he said, no, no, no. He said, there's always people who are going to want to go deeper with you and want a more professionally packaged version of what you're offering. I was skeptical, but I said, okay. Then I said, how much did this DVD cost to make? Because I could see how high the quality was. And he told me, I can't remember exactly, but I think it was around ten dollars or $12,000 to produce this DVD. And to me, that felt like so much money at the time. I just kind of gasped. I was like, wow, that's so much. Did you feel scared to invest that much filming this thing? And he just looked at me like I was crazy. He said, not really. He said, this DVD's made me over a million dollars. That moment changed my life forever. Because when he told me that he had made a million dollars selling essentially the same thing that he was doing on YouTube, but to an enthusiast kind of community, I remember driving home from that event and just thinking, like this is possible. I know it's possible for me to figure out how to monetize this channel. I need to create a product that is you know surrounds the channel and I just became determined in that moment. I think meeting all these other YouTubers and seeing that they were doing it was so powerful because I think sometimes you know, we're, we're all so isolated and that's why it's so important to have communities like yours, like mine, where yoga teachers can come together and like see what's really possible. Mm-hmm. But seeing all those people's success, I was like, I know this is possible. Like there were so many people there and I was like, there's no way all these people are smarter than me, right? Like I can figure this out. And then the next two years was just like me being a dog with a bone, being like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to sell something. <laughs> and I tried so many things, so many things that failed. Uh, I can't even tell you how many things, I mean, I tried DVDs. I tried an ab workout thing. I tried selling props. I tried, I mean, I, I created my first digital course, which sold okay, but not great. Uh, but I was just like, I'm going to, you know, die trying essentially, mm-hmm. uh, cause I so wanted to make a living doing what I loved.
0: Mm-hmm. Now in this, where you are right now your focus was helping like the yoga student avatar learn yoga yes exactly Not so much the yoga teacher so this was you on youtube practice with me and every all of these products were geared toward practitioners
1: exactly yes that's okay. a great distinction the okay. product that eventually kind of worked was the simplest product which was launching like an app a membership site Okay, for students. So again, this is where networking and being in community with other people is really essential. Another yoga YouTube channel and friend of mine, he was like a yoga Pilates channel. But he told me he was like, I have this membership site. And again, I was like, why would anyone pay for that? Like they can do your videos for free on YouTube. And he was like, No, trust me, like, people will buy it. So I remember being at my full-time job and like during lunch, like assembling my membership site, like taking all the videos off of YouTube, putting on the membership site. I was obviously adding, you know, member content as well, but just seeing like, is this going to work? And then I just became obsessed with getting my first hundred members. I just remember it was like tunnel vision. I was like, I'm getting a hundred people into this membership. And I did, I did. I was going live on um, Periscope at the time, which again, dating myself, this was so long ago, like there was no video live streaming app except Periscope. They were like the first to
0: do yeah, it. I was on that too. Actually, I forgot about that. I mean, that was like probably before Vine. even Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. That's how I got my first a hundred members. I mean, I was like telling my YouTube comment people, I was like, let's all chat on Periscope. And that was huge because they were asking me questions. They were like, how do I do this pose? Like things I never would have thought of on my own where I'd be talking to them on Periscope and in the back of my mind. I'm like, okay, going to make a video on that. Going to make a video on that. Going to make a video on that. Right? Like they were really helping fuel my content pipeline with the questions and it was great because I just wanted to help them. So I got my first hundred members and then 200 and the membership started to grow. And then the members started asking me for yoga teacher training. They said we want to train and we want to certify with you. And again, I said that's crazy. We can't do that. Yoga Alliance doesn't sanction online learning. And they kept asking for it. This was very puzzling to me. And I remember being <laughs> at my gym at the time. This was probably 2014. And on the elliptical and just thinking like would this work? Would this not work? Like they're telling me they want yoga teacher training online. How could I do yoga teacher training online? Like what could make it phenomenal? So my wheels were really spinning at the same time I was very concerned that no one would buy it because it wasn't yoga alliance sanctioned or, you know, online learning for a f- like was very weird still back then. So I was really torn but I ultimately decided, because I had enough people consistently asking and expressing interest, I decided to pull a Jared in, and I was like, all right, I'm going to spend thousands of dollars to fit. Like if I'm going to do this, I'm like going to do it right. I'm going to go all out. Like, so I remember spending a lot more money than I was comfortable for like professional videographer. I flew some of my own teachers who I really wanted to feature in the training in from New York. That felt terrifying. Uh, and I filmed what is now the Uplifted 200-hour yoga teacher training. Um, I wrote the manual that goes with it, which you can see right here. And I just started putting everything together, essentially. I remember being on set filming. I still was working full-time, by the way. I remember being on set filming and, you know, I had put it up for sale before it was finished because I was like, this is happening. You know, you can buy it now with like an early bird. And I remember feeling this huge wave of relief because people actually bought it and I was on set. And I remember someone had bought and it was like, I knew that I had at least covered my expenses with the number of purchases that had come in. So I was like, okay, (laughs) I'm not like in the red. Now I wasn't expecting still anything big to come of it, but I was relieved that I wasn't going to lose money. And the rest is history. That first cohort of yoga teacher training was incredible. We had two weeks in the curriculum where I was teaching people how to use Zoom, how to take pictures of themselves, how to upload those pictures so I could, you know, draw on their body and refine their alignment. There were a lot of cool things that I was doing. Um, No one knew how to use Zoom, so that's why we had this whole tutorial about it built in. I was mailing people the manuals myself from my house. I didn't have a warehouse then or like anything. And that first cohort was just incredible and then i was like okay let's do it again i had raised the price so after you know i had that like early bird price and then i raised the price so i said okay i'll i'll go back and move the price to the early bird for the next cohort but then i saw people were just buying at the higher price so i was like okay i guess this higher price is the price now that's actually been my price point ever since i want to raise it cuz you know obviously this is a long time ago Uh, So for about five years, I was running yoga teacher training online. Probably I was one of two people in the world doing it. There was just me and one other person. So if someone was looking for online yoga teacher training, they had two options. They had me and this other woman who is also lovely. And, you know, she and I actually connected during COVID, which was really fun because then COVID hit and everything changed. We went from like being two people in this niche industry, which was very lucrative, to be honest. Like I had a great business for five years, um, and then 2020, it was like the entire world joined us online. 2020 was obviously a great year for my business because she and I were there, right? And everyone else was trying to catch up. Now the landscape's so different, right? I no longer have to have two weeks in my syllabus about how to use Zoom. Everyone knows how to use Zoom. I don't have to have all my marketing geared towards justifying why doing teacher training online is valid or works. Now all my marketing is about why my teacher training is the best, right? Because people have so many options. Uh, So it's been a wild ride as an entrepreneur. And, you know, now we're here in 2024 (laughs) and the business is still really healthy again, the landscape has changed so much. There's, I have many trainings, not just one. I have a 200, a 300, a 300, 500. Um, I have an an embodied yoga, yoga life coaching product that's launching this spring. So lots of advanced programs and courses and the membership still exists. So that's been the journey.
0: Awesome. So, um, so, One thing that just comes to my mind, the original YouTube channel where you're out there teaching people, does that Mm -hmm. still
1: live and breathe? It does. And I still upload to it. uh, Right now it's every other week, but I did every week for, I think, nine years.
0: Got it. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, YouTube, any of these platforms reward consistency, that is absolutely, you know, so important. So given that you had this sort of fork in the road where you branched off into training teachers from- helping people bring mm-hmm. yoga into their life, where do you sort of see the balance of things between, cause especially now in the teacher training side, you have more than just the 200 hour, you have these other, and then the coaching is all so sort of an offshoot there. So where's, I mean, are you doing this single-handedly as a, as the person providing these services? Are there people that work for you that are doing? No, I have
1: a team. I have a team okay. of people who work for me. And yes. are they are they doing actual hands-on training? Yes, yeah, so my 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 core team helps me run the business. So I mean, it's not huge, but I probably have five or six full-time people, and then um four freelancers who work very heavily with us. And then we have um, our trainers. So right now, if you, purchase our 200-hour training, for example, it's taught by me, Jen, and Katrina. So Jen is sort of the consistent presence throughout. Katrina has a lot of incredible trauma-informed specialties, and I'm in there teaching about six of the, I would say, 20 live calls or something. So you're seeing me, but I mean, obviously, cohort one, two, three. I mean, cohort one, like I was teaching every live call initially, Yeah. but then- as I had people come up through my programs who I really trusted and I've worked with for years, everyone who is a trainer for me, I've known literally for 10 years. So it's a very close knit community. And then 300, you know, they're getting more time with me because I'm um, doing business coaching and things with them. And then the highest level program, the life coaching program, um, I'm very, very heavily involved in because it's its first cohort. So I'm in there every single week. The Kundalini training, I'm Uh, in there, not a ton, to be honest, because I run it with an incredible fellow teacher who really leads the live portion. But the way all of our courses, uh, I mean, I think I do four or five calls, maybe. The, The way our courses work is that, and I think this was innovative that I did, is that you get a mobile app because I already had the mobile app stuff figured out for my membership. So if you do teacher training with us, you get the mobile app, which means you can download all the videos to your phone or you can put them on your smart TV or you can listen to them in an airplane or while you're waiting to pick up your kid from soccer or whatever. They're designed for shorter consumption. You know, they're like a lot of the videos are under 30 minutes. And you watch all of that content before coming to the live calls. And every video corresponds to a page in your manual. So you can see, you know, take notes. There's little homework activities, things like that. So when we come together for live calls, everyone's already watched almost 100 hours of content and been uploading photos and doing a lot of the work in the manual. Because what frustrated me about yoga teacher training, because I took a lot of trainings, was that I'd be listening to lectures in like the basement of a yoga studio (laughs) for 6 hours um or then would do like a little break or take a class but what i really tried to do with the trainings is anything that is just me giving you information or content or my trainers giving you information like all of that is pre-recorded so you can watch it on your own time like all the anatomy is pre-recorded because people like to rewind and watch that stuff again because it's comp- you know it's confusing mm-hmm. when we're live because everyone's watched the same content the The calls are around like different chunks of the content that they've watched, but it's incredibly interactive. Like we're dialoguing, we're looking at bodies, we're doing all the stuff that makes sense to do in real time. We're not mm-hmm. like lecturing to you. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it's kind of like I talk about it when I work with people in my program. There's the learning of the knowledge and then there's the applying the knowledge. And that I think is right. Sometimes so we this- call
1: our live calls like the implementation and mastery yeah. calls because that's like when you're implementing everything you're yes. learning and you need that feedback. And this is where you're really mastering your skills. Like watching videos isn't going to make you a yoga teacher. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so all the programs work that way. Like, that's the model 200, yep. 300 Kundalini, embodied yoga, life coaching. They all work that way. This hybrid of home mm-hmm. study and then coming in person.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious about the Kundalini piece. Does that differ? Is that like in the, in the sort of Ascension model of all the things that you offer is Kundalini a little bit of a niche training about that style of yoga that's not included in the other stuff like the YouTube channel and the teacher training?
1: So I teach, uh, Kundalini is actually trending really well on YouTube right now, I think because there's less people doing it. So I'm really leaning into Kundalini on YouTube because it's working. But on the YouTube channel, I teach a variety of styles. Obviously there's keywords and silos that I'm very focused on that I know, you know, my audience likes and is working for the channel. And Kundalini is definitely one of them. So when someone comes in to our world and um, they will have to choose that they want to do their 200 hour in the uplifted yoga method, which I think is the best foundation. Or there are some people who are like, I just want to teach Kundalini yoga. That's my only interest. That's all I want to do. And then they take the 200 hour Kundalini training. Got it.
0: Got it. Yeah. Okay. So you sort of built a niche within a niche kind of sort of. Uh,
1: yeah. Okay,
0: perfect. So what does with, because I know, and maybe now's a good time to talk about it, your book that you just released. The book, tell us a little bit about that. Like, who's that designed for, given some of the different avatars you've spoken about, the yoga student, the yoga teacher? Yes, yes. yes. And
1: I would like to clarify for everyone listening, like, if I were starting over, I would not do anything (laughs) this way. I would probably just be like a yoga teacher training company. I mean, I think what's interesting about my journey is that I have just been in such active conversation with my audience that they just tell me what they want and I create it. So when they were like, we want a prenatal course, or I was pregnant, I was like, boom, okay, done. They were, a lot of them were really into Kundalini because I was doing a lot of Kundalini in the membership because I went through like a five-year period where that was my passion, right? While now like coaching is more my passion. So I'm always building. And then the Ascension model is very clear, right? It's like membership. 200 teacher training, 300 slash 500 teacher training. And then the embodied yoga life coaching is the highest um, Mm. piece. So, the book, there is a lot of personal reasons why I wrote the book, which we can go into if you want. But strategically, the book is designed to be what I call a top of funnel product. So, I see it sort of similar to the YouTube channel where I definitely could have written a book called like Yoga Teacher Training or just designed for yoga teachers. And that would have been strategic and I think made a lot of sense for selling some of my core products. However, I was seeing the book more as uh, solidifying, what's the correct word, solidifying my reputation or authority building essentially. And I wanted it to be something that anyone could get benefit from. So my vision for the book was like, I want a busy woman running through an airport who's maybe never done yoga before, but aspirationally wants to, and is curious for her to be able to pick up this book, you know, at the little Mm. convenience store in the airport and read it on the plane and have like actionable stuff she could do right away. At the same time, I'm making it required reading in my trainings. I want it to be valuable for teachers. So the book's called Yoga Life. Habits, Poses, and Breathwork to Channel Joy Amidst the Chaos. And right at the beginning of the book, I say, like, you might be a student. You might be a teacher. You might be obsessed with a certain style of yoga. What this book is about is taking yoga off the mat and seeing your whole life as a yoga studio. That's why it's called Yoga Life. So inside, I'm detailing a personalization framework because I saw over the years interacting with my members and my my teacher training students, um, how they'd react to practices very differently. I'd have people message me and be like, Brett, I love that practice. You just posted it It was incredible. The breath work just lit me up. I loved it. Someone else on that same practice was like, this gave me a migraine, right? So I got really curious. I'm like, what's happening, right? And I realized doing a lot of history and research, uh, going into the history and doing research for the book, chapter two is all about the history of yoga, how yoga came West, how it evolved that yoga was always really meant to be personalized. It wasn't meant to be a group fitness activity. So in the book, I offer this personalization framework so anyone can develop a powerful 20-minute ritual at home. And then at the end of the book, I show you how to make that 20-minute ritual modular so we at the beginning of the book there's a quiz we figure out what your ayurvedic mind body type is how you might want to choose different poses and breathwork techniques to match uh, and kind of help you balance your personality which is really really fun because i hadn't really seen anything like that and i know people are curious about the energetics behind the postures so there's quizzes throughout the whole book that are kind of helping guide you towards what i call your soulmate postures Those are the poses that usher you into your fullest, deepest breath, the fastest and the most efficiently and incorporate essential spinal movement. And the book is very much like if you're short on time, you need to know how to adapt your practice to nourish you. And the first step is knowing your personality and then designing your yoga practice around that to to support you. Uh, so once you develop the 20 minute ritual, we break it down and we're like, okay, if you only had five minutes, you're just going to do this section. The thing about the ritual is it's modular. So if you woke up late and, you know, you have a big presentation you have to give, these are the techniques you might want to also sequence in for energy. This is what you'd sequence in if you're feeling sick, right? This is how you do it in five minutes. This is how you do it in 15. This is how you do it in 50. So it is very much geared towards If I had to pick like a student, but it's kind of like yoga teacher training in miniature because it's like just giving everyone enough of what they need to know to start assembling their own practice. So like an apothecarian, they can like whip up a healing yoga tonic to meet them in whatever challenging moment they're going through. And the book is very personal because I discovered this framework in the most challenging year of my life, which was when I became a new mom for the first time, that was a huge initiation. And I lost my father to cancer that same year. I was his sole care provider. He was living in my home. And so he literally died with me and my newborn son in our house. Um, And my business, of course, was scaling that year as well. And I just remember feeling like I was drowning, like I was failing. I wasn't making it to the mat. I couldn't practice for 90 minutes anymore. I really had to adapt and get really good at hacking and optimizing what I practiced in order to feel supported. And that's the year that in it's kind of like necessity is the mother of invention, right? Like I started experimenting with a lot of these techniques and these radical personalization frameworks that then became the basis of what I have put into this book. And the book also includes y- what I call yoga habits. And these are off the mat ways to practice Vedic wisdom. Because I say in the book, like some days you're just not going to make it to the mat. All your best intentions will fail. And I'm open about saying that even as a teacher and a trainer of teachers, some days and some seasons of your life, it will just be really hard. And so here are all these habits, like little ways that you can sneak yoga in, in between activities, um, kind of mentally as you're talking to people, like all these little habits that even if you never set foot on a mat, you can still live yoga.
0: Got it. I, I love the theme of this because, um, you know, I, I talk to teachers about changing your classes from transactions to transformations, and a lot Hold of what you're speaking about really speaks to that, like, how do you change it from just being a transactional, I come, I do my yoga, and then I leave, to come and this teacher leading this class is giving me things I can do off the mat as well is integrating anatomy-based queuing in such a way that I can translate it easily to when I'm sitting at my desk or when I get up out of bed, that sort of thing. So I love that that is part of the theme of your book. And I could totally see it being applicable both for the student and for the teacher um, in terms of The teacher part, how to apply it to how to apply yoga in your classes so that it can be more transformational, not just that one time thing the person is doing. So that's great. Now, I know we'll
1: remind people at the end. Just tell us now, how can folks get the book? So the book is available everywhere books are sold. It's called Yoga Life. So if you just type Yoga Life, Brett Larkin, you'll find it. You can get it on Amazon, but you can also get it on bookshop.org or support those independent retailers. So it's everywhere books are sold. There's also an audiobook version if people prefer that, which I read myself. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, great.
0: So I'm really curious to, to know about the life coaching piece, especially when you talked about it. I mean, I guess I'm I'm super curious to to know like who's the person coming to that? Is that a yoga teacher sort of thing? Like that's the next step for me as a teacher after I do the trainings with you. Is that an individual person who wants transformation in their life in some way? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so both. So um I have a consumer product and of course then I have the the training product. So the consumer version is called yoga for self-mastery which is basically how to live yogic. This course is very much built and designed off you know after covid and during covid um i had a you know i had two little kids the business was really blowing up my husband had to quit his job and help me in my business for two years i just if we started having a lot of problems in our marriage like things were intense and i was able to turn it all around honing in on three Uh, Vedic tools that I divulge in the book. And then, of course, the yoga for self-mastery is like, okay, here's how you use these in every conversation you're having, like in your argument with your mother-in-law, in in how you're talking to your partner, in how you're dealing with your kids, in like every single aspect in your work. So that yoga for self-mastery course was the first piece. And then once I really delivered that course, and I've moved, I think, four cohorts through it at this point. I was like, this framework is very exciting to me and I want to certify other people in how to coach in this framework. At the same time, I was feeling, and I think this is the trend that we're in now, at least for the next hundred years or so, that the rigidity of a lot of these yoga practices, the rules, the Kriyas, like, that we're all looking to get more embodied. We're all looking more for pleasure and the real... Undercurring theme I was hearing from everyone in my training programs or the people who come to us, like they are healers. That's how they identify. They're like, I want to help people heal. And in my 300 hour training, I have a great section about because I also went to massage school and um, did work as a myofascial release therapist amidst all of this. I don't know how, but um, I just knew I really wanted to heal people with my hands. That was really important to me. So I did a lot of training in that. Um, And so When I was doing privates and the sense that I got from my community as well is that they really want to help people in this deeper way, but it's almost like just being a yoga teacher is limiting. And when I used to do privates, I remember I would have private clients, and I don't know if you or people listening have had this experience, where like my private student would just want to talk to me for like the first, sometimes I'd be looking at the clock and be like, we're going to run out of time to do yoga because they just saw the yoga mat and being with me as this like safe space for them to kind of unburden and unwind. And I just kept thinking like, it would be so cool if I could actually have a framework and coaching tools to be like a life coach, but All of the things that I'm doing uh, and coaching on are rooted in yogic philosophy and yogic wisdom, Mm -hmm. and that I could talk to someone like that and actually really coach them and then say, hey, let's take this onto the map based on what we were coaching on, right? So let's explore these types of movements, or let's have you do this, or the embodied yoga style that I'm teaching now in this training is very much like a bridge to intuitive movement. So it's pulling a lot of new ideas. I wrote an entire new movement manual for it because we're moving in very different ways. I call it kind of like the feminine form Kundalini that I think has gotten lost, Uh, but lots of sensual movements, lots of spiral movements, lots of self-touch, lots of all these things that we now have research to say really soothe the nervous system. Um, so then you'd move with them, trying to kind of get them moving intuitively. And then you'd come back and coach and integrate. Uh, so that is what the Embodied Yoga Life Coaching is. It's like a dual track certification all in one cohort. It's a six-month program. So it's also my longest program. Um, most of the trainings run four or five months and you're getting certified in this embodied yoga movement method, and you're also getting certified as a life coach. And there's six life coaching frameworks in the manual and in the course. Um, All six are rooted in yogic philosophy, and it's a research-based manual. So I use the same research assistant For the book as I did for this manual. I've invested a ton in assembling all this information and I'm really excited about it. So I haven't really been talking about it publicly yet. So it's really cool because you and one or two other people have asked about it um, on podcasts.
0: Yeah. I think it's a great opportunity for people, both like you say, teachers and practitioners to explore in this new way. And You know, I certainly think the science-based, I mean, just look at the Huberman Lab podcast, how popular it is. People love learning about science and applicable ways to bring science into their life. And that, I mean, is so much how he built his platform, science-based tools, free access. And um, so there's definitely an interest out there. So I love that research and I'm a science nerd. So I I absolutely love having the backing of looking at studies and, and things like that. So given all these different areas, um, how, what does a day in the life of you look like? It seems like there's so many different <laughs> silos that you have under this one roof of the Brett Larkin world. Like what yeah. does that look like? Where where do you kind of see yourself focusing from day to day? I mean, I think people would be kind of curious to see what that looks like. Are you producing content? Are you mm. teaching teachers? Are you supervising people on your team? What What's- Happening. Yeah,
1: I manage um a lot of people. I mean, I'm meeting with my team every week. We have a team meeting, so that's Monday as always all the internal team meetings. Then, yeah, Monday's basically all day internal team meetings. So there's a lot of those, and that hopefully sets us up for the week. Obviously, we have a lot of project management systems and we're running a lot of yoga challenges. Like there's just a lot going on. Um mm-hmm. the trainings are constantly turning over for like the new cohort and and that kind of thing. So Monday is very, um, team meetings. And then I try to really keep Tuesdays and Thursdays open as like creative flow days where I can be creating content or recording podcasts. Um, cause I also have a podcast, like just days for filming creation flow, uh, Working on, you know, obviously there's a lot of admin work that goes into all of this. So while my team's supporting me, usually it's like always they need my eyes as a final review. Or so pretty much all the time, my team is like, this is ready for you to look at. This is ready for you to look at. Like, we need you to proof this. What are your bullets for this? Like the high level talking points or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then, um, a lot of times I teach on Wednesdays, like I'm showing up in one of the programs, Mm -hmm. um, Fridays, I'm often in the 300 advanced training. And then I do a lot of batch content creation, which might be interesting for your audience to hear about. So usually I'm planning for like a big film shoot or a big social media shoot, uh, by, you know, either recording voiceovers or, plotting out ideas. And then I would say every four or five months, there's like a huge video shoot that takes place or like a huge social media shoot where we'll get like tons of content. I mean, I think the last shoot I did, which was over the summer, we got all the videos for the book because the book comes with 30 companion videos. We got a new series for the membership, all about archetypal energies, which is really cool because we get to embody different, like, um, gods and goddesses from different wisdom traditions and feel and move as love or wisdom or anger and it's super fun so we got that which will come out in the membership in february i also got probably 20 youtube videos <laughs> <Something> crazy. <laughs> so in like a four or five day shoot it's like i set up a lot of content um so yeah
0: it's busy. That is cool. That is very cool. Um, one of the things you said in the beginning of our conversation, I'd love to dive into a little bit more. And it's about limiting beliefs. And, you know, I love how we've kind of gone on this journey in this conversation about where you've Been and where you are, and all the different aspects of what you do and what you offer. And I think it definitely is an illustration of someone who has been endlessly committed to self improvement in purpose of a higher purpose or in service to a higher purpose. And when I think about that way of being, I think about all along the way for so many people, whether it's yoga teachers or other scenarios. There are so many limiting beliefs that come up along the way that you must have had to say, you know, I'm slaying this dragon. I'm not listening to this negative voice. I'm moving forward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, maybe, and this maybe comes up in some of the life coaching you do, you know, what, what, what I'm I'm trying to searching for a way to say it, like a philosophy that you have around working with people around limiting beliefs that they have that hold them back from doing what they want to do and we could frame this in the context of yoga teachers so let's say a yoga teacher who doesn't feel confident when they're teaching they have a lot of negative beliefs or self-limiting beliefs around who they are like identity-based beliefs i'm not the kind of person who feels comfortable standing in front of a room or um or maybe even in this business conversation they are listening and they really want to step outside of sort of the standard teaching classes and they want to do something different, but they're just so fearful about what does that mean showing myself in this way? And I'm not sure what to do. I don't have business experience. Maybe I've been working a corporate job. So whatever the details are, it's all limiting beliefs. If we all sum it up, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So you as a person have certainly slayed a bunch of these. And I'm sure in the context of you working with people in your life coaching program, That may be a part of it. So anything you want to share around that, I've had other folks on where we've talked a lot about manifestation and I've had neuroscience coaches on like, so this is always a topic of interest to me because I find, um, you know, just the way the mind works to be so fascinating and there's different sort of levers we can pull to put people on the steadiest ground so they can keep moving forward. I use a lot of NLP in my work with, with uh clients in my program um as just a way to sort of reframe things and other different techniques. So anything you have on that, I would love to just hear. Mm. Especially if you shared a lot of your own personal challenges and hey one of those could have derailed you, but you, you know, you must have
1: worked some inner magic to, <laughs> to stay back yes. there. There's so I mean I could talk about this for 5 hours. So I'm going to try to think of some just juicy highlights that we can pull yeah. on. But I think one important one to start with is to let people know that I'm afraid all the time. It's not like I don't constantly have fears and they have that saying, right? Like new level, new devil, right? It's yeah. like every ascension that you make, there is more fear. Like there's there's newer fears that unlock uh you know, the more the darkness or the more the light, the more the darkness, they grow proportionally. Yeah. So, you know, um, to just you need to get comfortable with fear and discomfort now because I think people have that illusion that it's like, oh, when I reach X level of success, those things will go away. But I can stand here as very living proof with the testament that that's not true. I mean, I had to overcome so much to be like, who am I to offer a life coaching certification? Like who like I'm a yoga teacher. I'm not a life coach. But like when I actually look at what I've been doing in my programs, especially the 300 program, which is a business course, and then I've had masterminds that I've launched. It's like. I'm coaching people. I've been coaching people for like six or seven years. So, but, but stepping into that identity felt like a huge stretch because I'm like, I'm not allowed to do this. I'm just a yoga teacher. Right. So there's, there's no end to the madness. (laughs) Um, I think One tip I give a lot of my students is to shift into a place of service. You know, all these fears that we have, all this paranoia, it's very egocentric, right? It's like, what are they going to think of me? Like, will my mom not like this post? Like, what will my neighbors think? What if someone doesn't like it? What if they, you know, what if I look like an idiot? Like, all of that is just the smallest part of us, like the smallest part of who you really are, like being obsessed with you. When you can shift into, like, I just want to help someone and I'm willing to show up on this weirdo Periscope app just to, like, talk and see how I can help and what you're struggling with, like, that for me, like, shifting into that place of service is the ultimate reframe, right? Because then it's not about me anymore. It's not about how I look, how, like, whether I'm perceived a certain way or not. It's just, like, I'm just trying to help. The person in front of me, or the person who I know is struggling. And so, having that person in the forefront of my mind is always really helpful. And a lot of times, that person's like a version of me two or three years ago. So, just shifting into that place of service is huge. And then, I think the last big tip I'll give, and this is one of the core pillars of Embodied Yoga Life Coaching, the, pro- the program that is launching, is putting pleasure first. Pleasure is generative energy. We've been afraid of it, we've been shamed. Um, That's why so much of the yoga that's in the book and that I'm teaching now, the embodied yoga, is about a practice that's extremely nourishing. It's not about pushing ourselves. It's about self-expression. And the goal of this style of yoga is to come back into what I'm calling your authentic frequency, your authentic energetic blueprint from which you are magnetic. So the way I used to operate, and I think a lot of people get stuck in this, is just by like pushing yourself really hard and then beating yourself up. And um, the, the reframe that I have been working with over the past two, three years is putting my pleasure and nourishment first and foremost above everything. Even if there's difficult emails to write, even if I have to run payroll in the later in the day, even if I have to do things that are making me uncomfortable, because what happens energetically is that if you know how to let yourself up and turn yourself on, Uh, whether that's by movement or dancing or taking a walk in the woods or the way you craft your morning chai or, or whatever it is. I mean, most women that I meet are completely disconnected from pleasure. They don't even know what's pleasurable for them. So there's an entire like six or seven video module in that yoga for self mastery course right at the top where we're just focused on that. Like, let's figure out what makes you happy, right? Like people are so disconnected from that because not just because it's, good and people want to be happy. But like, actually, if you can tap into that generative energy, all those difficult things that you have to do in your business become easy. They really do. So when I choose pleasure first, it's like, I trust in universe. I trust in nature. I trust that I, as a microcosm of the macrocosm, like what needs to get done will get done. If I can feel good in my body and be in my authentic frequency, like everything's going to be easier. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to probably bicker with my husband. I'm going to be more patient with the kids. Then the hard email I have to write is going to flow. And like, I don't put the pressure on myself that it has to happen right now. I trust Mm -hmm. myself that it's safe to take care of myself and nourish myself first. And then all of those things will be easier or I'll see them in a new way or they might not be relevant or like suddenly it'll feel fun to write there's something very magical. And I think this is why Kundalini yoga is so popular too right now is like people want to feel this inner awakening, but we're not sure how to access it. But how I define the Kundalini awakening is like, it's your essential you-ness coming forth. So like you with your Kundalini awaken would be like you as your most essential karen with like your karen being like a chat. 10 out of 10, volume turned up. So I'm like feeling who you are, right? Mm-hmm. And that authenticity is magnetic. Mm-hmm. While my Kundalini awakened is like breaths by vibration, 10 out of 10, you're feeling me through the screen. You're feeling me through my voice. You're feeling my DNA essentially. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can't get there without pleasure and trusting that there's a reason where attracted to the work we want to do in the world and kind of trusting in that. So there's a lot more nuance to this and then the question is like, well, how do I do this and how do I trust and you know, and I have a lot of material about that, but I think that's an important thing to bring into this space because entrepreneurship is hard. You can't end up burning out. You can't end up pushing yourself. And I definitely have periods where I feel burnt out and then I have periods like I mean, even just this week, Monday I was in a very bad place. I even told my whole team at the team meetings, I was like, I'm I was just not in a good space. And then Tuesday, I was like in my frequency, 10 out of 10. I created so much content. It was like 9 p.m. and I was recording reels. I was still working. I was just on, right? And this is the nature of being human. Like we need to know how to ride these waves. Hmm. And uh, I've gotten better and better at being able to, you know, create a protocol, which I also talk about the like uplifted energy protocol that gets me into that state where I feel authentic. And I think that's what we're all really after. So basically the bottom line is entrepreneurship can be fun. It should feel good. It's not always going to feel good, but you can extract so much pleasure from your business and your life and what you're doing if you just focus on the right things. And pretty much the yogic philosophy and and wisdom gives us all of this information. It's just very buried. And a lot of it has been, I think, dogmatized and structured and kind of given to us in these rigid frameworks that to be honest, like just aren't the new way forward.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I think about uh, the Esther Hicks concept of being in the vortex, when you talk about what being in the right sort of energetic frequency, she in Abraham Hicks, she talks about that from an energetic level and that mm-hmm. framework in her world sort of uh, reminds me of what you're talking about. And I think the important thing is for people to identify what are those activities? Like I know for myself, when the new Taylor Swift concert movie came out on TV. I mean, I watched that and for three hours I was jumping around the living room, screaming at the top of my lungs singing. I absolutely love her and it was pretty late at night and I just felt like such a vibe when I was done. So I know that, and I knew this already that singing Taylor Swift songs for me puts me in that high frequency. And when that happened to me the other night, I was like, I need to do more of the things that I know put me in that place. And so I love when you're talking about putting pleasure first, you know, for me, that's one thing a pleasure. I love to knit. I love to, you know, make my tea in the morning, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I totally agree. I think um, I, hands down, most of the people I work with are women and a lot of them are, I'm not a mom, but a lot of the women in my program are moms. And the amount of guilt that they often feel for putting themselves first is, um, is oftentimes what prevents them from moving forward, as well as I have a number of teachers like elementary school teachers, and they also struggle with some of what you're talking about, just kind of putting themselves first, um, yeah. as a way to be in a higher frequency so that everything you're doing, it's kind of like putting the oxygen mask on in the plane mm-hmm. and helping yourself before you can help your child. Um, but sometimes if there's guilt in the way, it's like, Oh, I, 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 put myself second because I need to help this other person. It's like, well, what if you put yourself first, then helping that other person is a totally different experience for you and for them. 100%. So, totally love that. Um, All right. So let's do this as we sort of wrap this up. I would love to know, and I, I'm sort of unsure to ask because it's been like so many things I've learned about you. What is next year going to look like for you? Mm. Well, next year, more of what you're doing. Like, is there some new like offshoot, or what's going to happen?
1: No, no. And in Body Yoga Life Coaching is the only thing that's happening. Uh, That's the only new thing that's happening. Obviously, there's new content coming out all the time and new content in the membership, but that's the new training program. Long term on the horizon, we're looking at a 300 hour Kundalini program because I think there are people who are interested in that. Uh, But this has been a huge year. I mean, writing a book has taken a lot out of me. So I'm excited to have, you know, 2024, be a little bit more mellow and be putting a lot of pleasure first myself. And you know, I just want to thank you again. Thank you so much for having me on the show and sharing your um, audience with me. And I'm happy to keep in touch and everyone can um, pretty easily find me, but yeah, happy to share those details as well. Give us yeah, a just up. just my website is a great place for anyone, brettlarkin.com, B-R-E-T-T-L-A-R-K-I-N.com. Uh, you can see all the training programs there. You can check out my YouTube channel. Since we offer so many programs now, people are often confused about what might be the best fit for them. So you can book a totally free clarity call with my team um, if you want. And it's not even a team, it's one person on my team um, who's absolutely incredible. You should all just want to talk to her. She's a master level coach and she's also one of my mentors. So if you're feeling called to do another training or course, definitely check us out and um, get the book, share it with your students yeah. and your non-yogi family members and friends, because it really can be for a total beginner. Yeah. And Karen, you know, thank you again for having me on. Of course.
0: Of course. I loved, I love the conversation. I will buy the book. It sounds absolutely wonderful. Thank and you. I love the visual of the person running through the airport. I think that's such a cool, uh, you know, kind of idea of, you know, whether you're running through the airport or just going to your local bookstore, just a way to kind of bring in all these little pieces of wisdom. So you can really integrate yoga into your life. I just, I just love that. And what a great way to be of service. So, well, thank you so, so much for your time and have a happy holiday season. And I will definitely stay in touch. I'll see you out there on the Instagrams and the YouTubes and
1: (laughs) all the places.
0: Yeah. All
1: All All right. right. Thank you. Have a great holiday season. You too. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and as a special thanks, DM me the words podcast offer, and I'll share with you a special opportunity for yoga teachers who are ready to be confident and skilled and drop all that prep time, drop practicing with class, Drop using the same cues over and over and drop worrying what other people think. If this is you and you're ready to step into your most powerful, authentic way of teaching, DM me the words podcast offer on my Instagram, Bare Bones Yoga.